Welcome to another episode of Stories to Run To. My name is Kyle, and today's theme is the early days of living in a foreign country and all the strangeness that ensues. Whether you're running, swimming, biking, lifting, or just energetically listening, prepare yourself, and I hope that you enjoy the show. Apartment Searching in Medellin It seems that no matter where you go, the search for apartments will always be paired with meeting some real weirdos. It was true in Canada, and it continued to be true in Colombia. William was half an hour late. We'd been awkwardly standing on the sidewalk, and the security guard was getting impatient with us loitering, a feeling that I shared with him. Maybe that's him, I said, pointing to a balding man entering the lobby. No. Willie's whiter than that. Ave pulled out her phone for the 50th time. The picture was small and unhelpful. A smiling, balding man the size of a pinky nail sat next to the be right down message. Well, you sure this is the right apartment? Ave sighed. Yeah, Kyle, it's the right apartment. I looked up. The building towered above us, a true skyscraper, right in the middle of the industrial part of Medellin. We had walked past a bunch of junkyards and factories to get there, and I was not in love with the neighborhood, nor with William, or Willie, as he preferred to be called. Let me see that message again. I took the phone and looked at Willie's message. Be right down. How high did Willie live that it took him half an hour to come down? Had he decided to crawl down the stairs? Let's give him... I wondered how long was fair. Two more minutes, and then we are leaving forever. Suddenly, a lost-looking bald guy in scrubs wandered into the lobby. That's gotta be Willie, Ave said. And sure enough, it was. He came outside and we introduced ourselves, learning that Willie spoke zero English, which was fine since we wanted to immerse ourselves in the Spanish culture. As long as we never had to wait for him again, I felt that we maybe could be friends. We had just finished filling out our visitor papers, the security guard relieved that our mysterious loitering was over, and we're following Willie inside when a car smashed into the wall of the apartment building 10 feet away from us. We all looked over at the vehicle, unsure what had just happened. But then reality hit us. A car had gone out of control and crashed into the building. A loud screeching sound was ripping through the air, The wheels were still roaring against the polished pavement, trying to push the car further forward. The driver's foot pressed down hard on the pedal. It had rammed the wall near the driver's entryway, which thankfully was empty of people, but it seemed as though it wanted to keep going. Willie jumped into action. He was wearing scrubs, which perhaps imbued him with some supernatural force. He sprinted to the car and ripped open the door. Inside, a man was seizuring violently, arms and legs locked in the driving position. William dove inside and wrenched the shifter into neutral before yanking the keys out and starting first aid. I turned to Avey. Did we go help him? Security people were swarming to the car. Everyone, all the bystanders, people walking by, trying to help. I think they have it covered, she said. We took a step back and sat on the couches in the waiting area. 
Maybe we should come back another time, I said to Avey. Yeah, maybe, Avey said. But it took us a long time to get here. Well, let's give it a few minutes and see what happens. We do have to see another apartment in an hour and a half. Well, there's no way this will take that long. 30 minutes later, William was still in the car. The man had stopped seizuring, but from our observation point, we couldn't see exactly what was happening. No ambulances had arrived, which we both thought was a little strange, but it was rush hour, so maybe they were just late. A curious Colombian quirk that we've noticed is the people's curiosity about public events. Every single person who walked into the building had no qualms with getting right into the door of the car to see what was going on. This provided a continuous wall of constantly changing people, with the security guard happily explaining to each and every one of them what had happened. One man, clearly an expert on observing random scenes, walked up to the guard. He tapped him on his shoulder to get his attention, and then circled his finger around his head to indicate, crazy? The guard shook his head no, and then he shook his whole body. Seizure. The guy nodded sagely and continued on his way. Perhaps it was not his first seizure he had seen that day. Another 30 minutes passed. They carried the man out of his car and placed him on the couch that we had just been sitting on. We decided to hover near the door. Willie sat beside the man, comforting him, asking questions, doing important things. Maybe we should just catch his eye and tell him that we'll be back another time, I said. Yeah, they agreed. We really do need to get to that other apartment. I don't think I really want to live here anyways. A car crash? That can't be a good omen. But it proved impossible to catch Willie's eye. We were just inching out the door when he abruptly stood up and came towards us. Okay, vamos. Come with me. William, that was crazy, I said in Spanish. Lucky for that guy that you were here. See, si, he said, lucky. He pointed to a far off elevator. I live on the 17th floor. I still wanted to talk about William's heroic exploit. Are you a doctor? I asked in Spanish. No, but what about the scrubs? I didn't know the word for scrubs, so I just pointed at his clothes. Pajamas. And with that, William's English ran out. We rode up to the 17th floor in silence. The apartment seemed pretty nice. He didn't turn on any light, so we didn't really get to see much. The kitchen had a sink full of dishes, I assumed were dirty, and there were papers scattered on the table. I had the sense that Willie enjoyed living alone and didn't want to share. Our potential room was big and empty, and it looked over the car lots of the area. It was a pretty nice view. We need to get out of here if we're gonna make it to the other apartment, they said quietly to me. I think we should just get out of here, I agreed. Do you want? Willie asked. Uh, we'll let you know tomorrow, I told him. Okay, but only tomorrow. He opened the door. Vamos. He led us downstairs, leaving us near the wreckage of the car that now sat motionless against the wall. Adios. He waved goodbye and then disappeared into the crowd of bystanders. The next day, we messaged Willie and told him we were staying elsewhere. He didn't bother to message us back. La Cucaracha I thought our apartment was perfecto. 
Nice roommates, beautiful neighborhood, spacious room, until last night. I'm just going to pee quick, I told Vey, innocently heading towards the bathroom. I switched on the light and realized that I wasn't alone. Sitting on the sink handle was the biggest cockroach I'd ever seen. It was easily the size of an old-timey cigar, almost exactly the same proportion as a flip-style cell phone, but flipped open. I backed out of the bathroom and speed-walked down the hall. Ave, there's a huge cockroach in the bathroom and I don't know what to do. Do you want me to kill it? She asked, laughing a bit. I don't know. Yes, I think I do want you to kill it. She got up, shaking her head at me good-naturedly. I grew up with cockroaches. In the apartment we had as a kid, they were everywhere. I know how to kill them. Good, because otherwise we might have to move. The cucaracha was still sitting on the handle of the sink. It appeared not to be able to get down. I wondered why it didn't just step down to the floor. Its legs were almost as long as mine. Ooh, Ave said, thankfully. That is a big one. I'll get the raid. She darted into the kitchen. Keep an eye on it. I watched it for a second while it scrambled heavily on the handle. Suddenly it stopped and pointed its dirty little head right at me. I remembered in a flash of cold panic that cockroaches can fly. I abandoned my post and went to the living room, sweating a lot. Our new roommate, Ollie, was sitting there watching some sports game on the TV. Uh, hey, I said, nonchalantly. Hey, mate, he replied. I thought about commenting on the game that he was watching, but instead said, We just had our first encounter with a cockroach. Oh yeah, that'll happen. He didn't even look away from the TV. It's uh, still sitting on the sink. A real big one. I guess I was hoping he would come and validate the extremeness of this particular specimen. Maybe he would even kill it for me. Ollie glanced over. You know, roaches are actually one of the cleanest bugs. Wow, thanks Ollie, what a helpful piece of advice. I turned back to the bathroom. Ave was in the doorway with a can of raid in her hand. Kyle, I told you to keep an eye on it. Oh no. My first instinct was to scan my body. It could be anywhere. When suddenly, the little critter appeared on the door, scrambling for the crack that would allow it to hide forever in the towel, where it would surely lay eggs and start a family. Ave fired the raid. The cockroach took the stream of poison and kept running, trying to turn the corner into the other bathroom. She sprayed it again and it flipped over, pushing itself disturbingly fast on its back. Again, Ave, it's still alive, I shouted, being a backseat raider. Again! Kyle, we need to squish it! She darted into our room. Can I use your shoe? No! The cockroach was still backstroking rapidly across the floor. I read somewhere that if it's pregnant, then the eggs will get stuck to your shoe! I grabbed the raid she had left and sprayed the bug with a long, heavy stream. And they're always pregnant! Ave reappeared with just toilet paper in hand. I guess I'll have to kill it with this. She bent over and, very bravely, squished the massive roach. It sounded like bubble wrap being popped. She disposed of it in the garbage can. I felt like there needed to be something more serious done, maybe burning, but Ave assured me that the garbage was fine. What followed was a careful interrogation of everything Ave knew about cockroaches. Where did they live? How could I kill them? How could we avoid them? I transferred all of my food into Tupperware containers. 
I zipped all of the bags in our room. Ave went and googled a few more questions for me. I didn't want to learn any more facts than necessary about the creatures. If I don't see one again for the next five months, I'll be happy. Don't worry, she said. That one probably just came up out of the drain. Oh, okay, if that's all that happened, then I won't worry. It's only a roach the size of a deodorant stick that can fit through the sinkhole. Nothing worth worrying about at all. The Colombian Barbecue. Oh yeah, Christmas is the best time of year here in Colombia. Diego looked around the dark backyard. Hey Jenny, is Christmas the best time of year here or what? Jenny was crammed into a child's school desk, the kind where the table's attached, and she looked like a giant. She shook her head. Diego, you goof, I've only been here since March. I've never had Christmas in Colombia. She speaks rapidly in her American accent, each sentence like the cracking of a whip. All right, Diego laughed. Well, how about some more guara then? Jenny laughed and squeezed herself out of the small desk. She grabbed the bottle of Colombian liquor and navigated her way to Diego. There were ten of us crowded into his little backyard, all squeezed into little children's desks. A smoldering barbecue was at the crown of our circle, huge leafy plants and bamboo separating us from the jungle beyond. Diego taught English, which is why most of his furniture consisted of tiny desks. Jenny poured Diego a shot and took it easily, glancing over at the barbecue. It was loaded with sausages, red and green peppers, onions, a feast, but taking forever to cook. Diego looked away, unconcerned. I leaned forward to remind him of the conversation. Uh, Diego, why is Christmas so great? My knees pressed up against the bottom of the little desk. Oh yeah, well first we get a big pig, and everyone from the neighborhood comes down to the street. He gestured to his four Spanish friends, also crammed in tiny desks. They all nod, though I'm sure that they don't understand a word he's saying. Then we get that pig all greasy. He mimes shaking oil on it. Oil, oil, oil until that pig is nice and greased up. Then we get all the kids together and we let the pig go free. They chase that greasy pig all over the place. Haha, <laughs> it's so funny. All of his friends laugh. Maybe they do understand. The kid that catches it gets like a little prize, like maybe 25,000 pesos. So it's very exciting, but it's not easy. Avi leant forward in her desk. It did not look too small for her. Try to catch a greased up pig for Christmas? That's right, Colombia's the greatest. But that is just the beginning. After that, we send the kids up into the hill for games. They play searching games and all sorts of fun things. The adults stay behind and we chop! He makes a cutting gesture with his hands. We prepare the pig! He laughs at Ave's reaction. That's why we send the kids away. And by the time they come back, the pig is cooking nicely for the feast. But don't worry, they never know it's the same pig. Do you just tell him it's a different pig? I ask. No, he thinks a moment. But maybe some of them know, but it's like a secret, you know? He laughs. Kind of like Santa Claus, I guess? Jenny leaned forward. If you guys don't have plans for Christmas, you should totally come and catch a greased up pig with us. Yes. Diego leaned forward as well. On Christmas, everyone is a neighbor. He looks me in the eye. Everyone. Okay, I say that sounds really nice. It is. He relaxed back and went into a silent reflection on how nice it was. One of his friends put up his hand as if asking a question. Diego, ¿cuándo tiempo para la comida? How long for the food? Diego looked over, surprise dawning on his face in slow motion. 
Oh shit, the food, man, I totally forgot. The friend couldn't believe it. He spoke quickly in Spanish, but I was able to translate. We were on the same wavelength. It's been three hours. He was not exaggerating. It was literally three hours. Luckily, I ate before I came, suspecting something of this nature would occur. We all jumped up and crowded around the food, which was, at best, mildly warm. A few embers glowed underneath. Shit, man, I forgot to make a fire. Diego laughed. Oh, well, at least we have water to keep us happy. More guara. Jenny squeezed out of her desk and poured everyone a shot of guara. Diego happily took his in his seat, continuing his speech. Everyone looked around a few times, hoping a hero would rise and approach the barbecue. I tried to slide out of my desk, getting caught a few times, but managed to stumble out eventually. I take my place behind the mountain of food. Are there any secrets to cooking these sausages? I asked. There's lots of fire, amigo, Diego said. I could do that. Soon, I had a roasting fire and some beautiful sausages. I had a feeling that this little gathering was a nice appetizer to what Colombian Christmas might have been like. I just hope if I go, I won't end up roasting the pig for them. The Fruit Cellar Every morning, the voice of God booms into our apartment. It is deep, and the words rumble through the room like the ghost of an earthquake. Avocate, the voice commands. Maracuya! The first time this happened, I scrambled out of bed and flung open the door, sure I'd find someone standing right outside of it with a megaphone pressed against the wood. Each letter ripples through the air, nearly visible. I followed the sound waves to the balcony door. It couldn't possibly be coming from outside, and saw him. Plantano! A fruit seller down in the street, his cart laden with the morning's unasked for vocabulary lesson. I watched the man take a visible breath, and then yell into a microphone. Mango! My hair blew back with the force. I tried to see what the microphone was connected to, and realized it was the entire cart. The fruits were sitting on amps held together with wood and a couple of wheels to make a cart. Avocado! He bellowed, beginning his speech again for anyone on the next continent who may not have heard it. Maracuya! No one came out to buy from him. I seriously considered it. I would gladly become a regular customer if he agreed to come by a few hours later. But then I remembered that it was way too early to be thinking about buying anything. I watched him go, booming fruit earthquakes until he turned a corner and his voice reluctantly faded away. Until the next morning. Avocado! Self-help. When I told the Dutchman about my self-help goals, he lit up. Man, I love self-help. It's so important to better yourself. Though, he leaned in until his face was inches away. His breath smelled like beer and cinnamon. It's sometimes hard to read self-help. Yeah, I said, surprised at the conversation. The guy had approached Ave while I was in the bathroom, and even after she excused herself, he had stuck around. Well, my goal is to make self-help more readable, combine it with fiction to teach the stuff that they don't teach you in school. Like sex, he said passionately. All right. I looked around for Ave, hoping she would maybe save me. Uh, I don't know if that's my precise aim. You know, man, 
He again got really close to me. I recently bought myself a self-help book that I think you'd like. It's called Tantric Sex, A Guide to Sacred Sexuality. He said the entire title while holding intense eye contact, as if he wanted to ensure I remembered it. Have you ever heard of it? No, I can't say that I have. Man, you've got to get into it. For me, it all started when I had sex with this girl in Miami on LSD. It was the best sex I've ever had. And afterwards, I got to thinking, why can't I have sex like this all the time? He nudged me and winked. Well, that's basically what Tantric is. The very next day, I got myself this book and I started to learn. How's it going so far? I asked. I just got it one week ago, but good. So good. And there you have it, another episode of Stories to Run To. Hope you worked up a sweat, had a little fun, enjoyed the stories. Maybe ride that after-workout buzz over to your favorite podcast hosting place and give us five stars. And I'll see you next time on Stories to Run To.